welcome to Deeply Rooted, the Minnesota Farm Bureau's podcast that shares the stories of farmers and agriculturalists and goes in-depth into public policy. In less than 30 minutes, you can stay connected to the topics that matter to Farm Bureau members from the car, the office, or even the tractor cab. We will feature Farm Bureau members and policy experts to bring you the latest stories and updates from the field. Christine Leonard today, and she is the owner of The Greater Good, as well as a dairy farmer. And Christine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm actually the sixth generation um, farming here with my parents. I work with my parents, Tim and Amy. Um, I've been home farming with them since January of 2018. Uh, We milk 45 registered Holstein cows about 45 minutes west of Minneapolis, just outside of Waconia, Minnesota. Um, And the greater good, and that's greater spelled G-R-A-T-E-R like a cheese grater, um, that's actually sort of my passion project um, that's turned into a little bit more than just a passion project. Can you tell us a little bit about your business uh, with The Greater Good and how you got started and sort of the inspiration behind it? Yeah, um, so just sort of kind of a short summary of it is um, I use local products to create cheese and charcuterie boards um, and I also teach artisan cheese classes. Um, it kind of started off as I was making cheese boards for my family and friends and I was posting pictures on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat or whatever and the one day I had a friend reach out to me and she's like, hey, will, will you make me one of these? I'll pay you for it. And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess I could do that. And so I think that season I made like two cheese boards. I had come up with this complex order sheet and um, kind of uh, by the by the next holiday season, I had it a little bit more figured out and I sold a few more and then it was kind of like, okay, I need to get, this is like a real thing. And then I ended up building the cheese shack, we call it, which it's like 150 square feet of um, of retail kitchen space basically. Um, so I'm licensed and insured to um, make cheese and charcuterie boards. Um, I use a lot of local creameries, which I think is kind of a cool, cool aspect of my business. Um, and it's all artisan cheeses, and a lot of them are farmstead cheeses as well. And then I also utilize local meats, honeys, and jams, and local fruits when I can get them. And farmstead cheeses would be farms like cheese that's yeah. made on the farm where yeah. the milk and it's all in yeah. one. So farmstead cheese is um, means that the animals producing the milk, so that could be cows, sheep, goats, um, water buffalo, camels, <laughs> whatever it may be, um, those all live right on site of the production facility. Are there like a lot of those places in Minnesota or how, how hard was it to kind of get started with your connections that I'm sure you have now? So my connection sort of started um, after I graduated I worked up at Redhead Creamery in Bruton, Minnesota, and they make farms that artisan cheeses. And so that was really an awesome introduction for me to the world of artisan cheese. I had absolutely no idea. You know, I was like, oh yeah, American Singles, that's the way to go. And then I worked up there and I was introduced to this whole complex part of what what cheese can be. You know, what the cheese can vary depending on what the weather was like, the day of the cheese make you know, how the caves that they aged in were, the time of the year, what the cows were eating, you know, all that all that kind of stuff. And um, to find out that cheese has a personality is kind of neat. And so um, 
with my work through there, I also got to do a lot of in-store demos. In some of those demos, I was able to meet other cheesemakers that were also producing local artisan cheeses. And that was kind of, that was pretty awesome because the artisan cheese community, it's like, it's just like so welcoming. Like they're not afraid, it's not really a competition because everybody's making their own cheese. And like I said, each cheese is gonna taste a little bit different. Um, and so it's, it's really a cohesive, cohesive kind of thing. It's really fun. So that's really cool to hear that there's such a fun, like that's like a community that you like, right. wouldn't really think of, like you don't really think of Minnesota as like an artisan cheese hub, but it's really right. cool that those places are here. So you kind of talked about already that you didn't really think that you were going to come back to the farm. Obviously your cheese business now is centered here. Can you talk a little bit about that and what drew you back into coming back to the farm? Yeah, so so I grew up with agriculture. I grew up um, showing cattle, judging. I was on the dairy judging team and the dairy knowledgeable team. Then I was a Carver County Dairy Princess and a Princess K finalist. And quick, quicker, you know, sometimes people don't know what a Princess K finalist is. So it's kind of two things. One, I got my likeness sculpted on a 90 pounds of butter at the state fair. So that's kind of a highlight. And then the other thing is that I was able to be a local and a statewide representative um, for the dairy farmers in Minnesota. So that was a really cool experience and I always knew I liked agriculture. Um, but really I didn't see myself coming back to the farm because I really didn't see how there was me a place for me to farm at the size and scale that I wanted to. Like I said, we milk 45 cows and you don't really see that many 45 cow dairies just because it's really labor intensive. Um, it, you know, you're, you're pretty tied down when you, when you don't have that many employees. And then, um, just like the margins that dairy farmers are working under, farmers in general are working under, um, it, there, I was worried there wasn't giving me opportunity for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but by the end of my freshman year, I kind of knew that I was missing agriculture and food production really, and being involved in the food system. And so that's when I changed my major actually to food science and technology. Um, and then I, I kind of wanted to be that, the two between farm to fork. I wanted to learn that processing side of it. I enjoyed foods at the table side, you know, and I, I kind of had the, um, you know, the agriculture background to sort of lead me that way. And then I, I have a communication emphasis because I was learning how little people knew about agriculture and where their food comes from. And I wanted to kind of connect them, connect them fully. Uh, and I, you know, I, as I was getting closer to graduating, I kind of had that itch that I wanted to come back home and farm with my parents. And so I asked them, I was all excited and they're like, no, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> they were, they were getting set up to retire out of dairy farming. The price, it was 2016 prices were kind of starting their decline a little bit. And, um, and you know, they'd, like I said, you're pretty tied down when you're dairy farming and they were like, are you sure that's really something? that you want to do. So that's when I got that the job up at Redhead Creamery and that's really where I fell in love with Artisan Cheese. Um, the cool thing about them, like I said, they're farmsteads. So if I could help milk cows in the morning there and the milk is being gravity fed in a pipeline as we're milking directly into their pasteurizer tank. So after milking, you get cleaned up, you change and you shower into your, you know, shower into your creamery clothes basically. And um, 
by like two o'clock that afternoon, I was eating a cheese curd that I had helped milk that morning. And so that was kind of a, a neat experience, you know, and something I was like, oh, I really want to be able to bring that home. And so I sort of started conveying, you know, that passion, those ideas to my parents. And like, I think we can make this work. We just have to think a little bit more outside the box. And so finally in January of, yeah, January of 2018, I was able to come home and farm with them. So you mentioned your communications emphasis and I, I follow you on Instagram and I check out your website and you really have like a presence there and you're very like consistent with uh, how you use your social media and like education and consumer facing communications. So like, can you talk a little bit more about that and how you interact with your consumers on a daily basis and kind of navigate any misunderstandings, any haters on your page, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So I'm lucky at this point I don't have too many haters on my page. <laughs> I'm able to keep my content pretty light for now. But um, it kind of, I think the biggest thing it comes down to is always being honest and authentic with your content. You know, it's, if when people have questions, it's often that they're having questions because they just literally don't know. It's, you know, I've always... In the past, especially, I always felt like when you're getting, when people are questioning what you're doing, you sort of feel like they're, you're, they're attacking you almost, you know? And that's, most of the time, that's not what it is at all. It's that they saw something on, they saw a viral video on Facebook or they saw, they read some article that, you know, that was posted that was anti-agriculture or whatever. And that's the only information that they've been exposed to. And they're coming to you. It's almost a blessing. They're coming to you and asking you, a farmer, you know, what is, what's happening here? And so it allows us, it's like a great way to be able to be like, oh, well, you know, this is, this is what's happening and this is why we're doing it. You know, we're, we're not, um, we're we're not doing things because we're trying to be malicious or mean or we're trying to harm the food system. We're doing things because we care about our land, our animals and our land. And, you know, we've been, our farm is, you know, the farm that I'm on right now is 150 years old. You know, it's, that's something that, that means we've taken care of the land for 150 years that we're still able to farm here. So... Basically, it, yeah, it just comes down to being honest and authentic with them. And, you know, you don't have to skate around the truth. You can tell them this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. You know, that why behind it is huge. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So kind of going along with that, how do you, like, make sure when you're creating your product and communicating to your consumers that, like, making sure that what you have is what they will be interested in and, like, that they're willing to pay a fair price for what you're producing, which is obviously very high quality goods, but how do you make sure you're communicating that to your consumers? That's such a good question. And that's something that I really struggled with, especially at the beginning, you know, people are like, your trays are way too expensive, you know, like what are you putting on there? But then, you know, you if you go to the grocery store and you look at the kind of cheeses that I'm putting on there, the price tag at the grocery store is reflected as to what I'm putting, you know, what I'm selling them for, if not a better deal for what I'm selling them for. Um, and I think really, again, it just comes down to explaining that why does it cost that much. And once you explain that this is a farmstead product or this is a local artisan product, it's made in small batches, we can't disperse these big operating costs across, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of cheese. You know, this is a small product. You need to celebrate every batch. And um, 
and, and you're getting what you pay. You know, you're, you're getting a high quality product and you're, you're paying for the story of the product as well. Mm -hmm. Kind of one of my favorite parts about the platters that I offer is that I offer a little an information sheet with them. And so that has the name of the cheese, um, the creamery, the cheesemaker that made it, and the location of where it was made. So you have all that information. But then additionally, I'll put on there, you know, like kind of like a tasting profile. Like, all right, so when you're eating this, this is what you're looking for. Or this is what note, flavor notes you should be looking for, and this is what I would suggest you pair it with. And I think that turns, you know, eating, which is something that we do every day, we need to do to survive. It turns that monotonous thing of eating into kind of more of an experience. So people are not just paying for the cheese board; they're paying for the experience of getting to sit down and really invest in their food and learn about where their food comes from. Well, they're also paying for your expertise. Yeah. Which is yeah. not something that you get. Like when I go to the like the Trader Joe's cheese section and you stand there and you're like, there's right. four kinds <laughs> of the same type of cheese. Like, what do I do? So right. like, that's something that's very particular about what you do. Yeah. And that's really the fun part about the cheese classes that I do. And that's something I'm trying to um, push and do a few more of those classes because they're so fun to get to talk through and really hit the background and like how this cheese is made and you know this is the cheesemaker that made it you know it a lot of times there's a few you know I like to use the cheesemakers that I know I like to use their cheeses during my classes and it's so fun because you I can literally point out like oh this lady she's so fun she's so great to have in a crowd like s such an awesome cheese and this cheese is perfectly reflected in you know that mm -hmm. that her personality so I think that's cool <laughs> yeah you cheese at the store typically doesn't have a personality <laughs> right. exactly exactly so I guess talking about consumers what is like how has COVID changed the way that you interact with consumers and kind of what consumers expect from businesses as a whole yeah so I think um you know, COVID was really tough on agriculture overall. The one thing it did do was it made people realize that there are farmers that are still working every day despite what the conditions and everything looks like. And it really re-put that emphasis on local agriculture and supporting your local farmers, really no matter what size they are. Um, and one of the cool, I guess, the things for me was that people were, you know, excited that I was using local products on the boards and stuff and they were you know, excited to support me as a farmer that way as well. Um, the kind of one of the biggest advantages of COVID for me was that people got used to doing like a socially distanced pickup. So I could just put like a cheese platter out in a cooler, like, you know, just like a half hour before they got there. And then if I was working on a different project, like I could just like, oh, it's in the cooler, you know, like pick it up whenever it's whenever it's convenient for you, that contactless pickup was really kind of an advantage for me and that's something that I'll continue to do um, but there's also like you know people have utilized virtual classes which has been really fun and a really fun way to connect people that maybe can't all be together in person um, I've done like a lot of individual boards and boxes um, for people so they don't have to you know I'll eat off the same board or whatever and that's actually been a really kind of a fun little addition you know people were having like holiday parties they all wanted to virtually share an experience um and so the cheese boards were a way to do that like all of a sudden instead of at the beginning of your zoom you don't know what to talk about now you can talk about the cheese that you all have in front of you so just kind of a cool way to do that um and those are kind of things that i'm going to continue to offer because i think 
I think that those are still going to, I think we're going to see that, um, that kind of trend continuing to carry on. Although we are able to get back together in larger groups now, um, there are still situations where, you know, the virtual just has worked better. So definitely has been an opportunity to realize that there are more ways to bring people together than just being physically together. Yeah. yeah. That's cool that you you don't you wouldn't think of cheese as a way to bring people together. Right. Oh yeah, cheese <laughs> brings people together for sure. So I guess you've kind of alluded to this, but what are your future goals for kind of the greater good and the farm and how you see those two things working together? Yeah. Um, so I kind of call them my, my cheese shack, which is, that's kind of my phase one of my three-phased goal, working towards on-farm cheese production. Um, this is sort of just a way to build up some rapport, kind of want to be known as like the cheese lady in the West Metro, um, and kind of get people familiar with my business and my farm and, you know, um, to expect high-quality artisan products. And another thing is to kind of get people accustomed to the prices that artisan cheese runs at, you know, like this is a reasonable price for the work that's going into this cheese. And when I do hopefully someday make cheese, I want people to not be shocked by the price tag that I, I need to put on it to be able to continue to operate um, my farm and business. Um, so phase two, I'm hoping to put up like a kind of like a sitting room area where I can teach cheese classes and stuff on the farm. And then phase three, which is like my 10 year plan. I would like to be able to put up a creamery um, here on the farm. I'd like to go down to a micro dairy size um, and you know, just have like 15-ish cows is my goal. So we'll see if I get there. I'm sure that plan is gonna change a lot. It's already had you know, fluctuations and changes in it, but um, you know, I was kind of working towards, working towards making a product here on the farm. Fantastic. That, I love that idea. Just being able to, you know, walk outside and say, okay, here's the milk. Okay. Now here's the cheese that I made yesterday. <laughs> like it all started from right here because I think that's a good way to like show consumers that their food really isn't as far away as they think it is. Even when it's at the grocery store, it's still like, oh, here's a farm that you visited. They right. have cows. These cows are the same beef animals that you're purchasing at the store. But like with this, it's an even more like immediate concept for people to kind of put together. Exactly. And one of the things I'm hoping to continue to develop um, is is um, actually doing tours and stuff like that too. And, you know, even if right now I'm not able to produce a product here on the farm to have a safe space for people to come and can, you know, kind of ask the questions that we talked about earlier and you know, to just sort of learn and experience what a farm is, you know, each generation is getting more and more removed from the farm. And I think that we can try as much as we want on social media to show what we're doing, but without opening the farm up to people, you know, that, that in-person in -person contact with a cow or with a farm is really uh, beneficial. It's good to create that space for people where they don't, where it's a different side of things. Right. Obviously, we're here on behalf of Farm Bureau, um, can you talk a little bit about like your involvement in Farm Bureau and how that's potentially impacted kind of your journey as a farmer and also as a business owner? Yeah, I'd love to. So my really my first interaction with Farm Bureau was I was a scholarship recipient in 2014. And before that, I really didn't know much about it at all. 
Um, my, my parents were members and we have our insurance through there, but that's literally all I knew about it. Um, and so, you know, like learning about the scholarship and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these amazing things that Farm Bureau is actually doing. Um, after I graduated college, I, when I was working up at Redhead, I actually was on the Pope County board for, not on the board, but I attended some of their meetings while I was up there and I was like, and they were talking about like, you know, just introducing me to like policy changes and stuff that they had helped create and were able to show me, you know, in text, like, oh, we helped make this change. And that was kind of cool. And I was like, wow, it'd be, it's kind of, kind of cool to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved, um, moved back home, I decided that I really wanted to join the board in Carver County. Um, and so I went to the meeting and uh, was elected on as the promotion and education chair. And um, I think they were all really excited because um, I think I was the youngest person there by like 20 years, which is totally fine. But I think, you know, like some, some younger involvement in it, I think is something that's really important. Um, and I, I think in in the last two years since I've been on the board, I've learned so much about what Farm Bureau actually does. You know, I you just kind of you see them at events and you see, you know, and like there's you kind of hear about Farm Bureau, but really to understand it, I don't think a lot of people do. Like the the issues that they're standing up for us that in you know, like legislative issues that. Farm Bureau is backing like, you know, broadband. I think like that's like literally one of the most important things that for my business, if I didn't have internet, all my social media is through the internet. If I wasn't able to have that, I would be, you know, what it would be a lot more difficult to operate my business the way that I do. I mean, there's so many other issues too that like Farm Bureau has just been so supportive of of a small business owner and really being invested in getting you up and going. All right, so fun question. You've tried a lot of cheese and I'm not gonna make you pick out your favorite cheese mm. because that's like impossible. <laughs> um, but like, do you have a favorite way to eat cheese or like a preferred cheese like recipe that you found that's really cool? Okay. It can even be a current favorite. It doesn't have to be like an all time mm. favorite. Um, my mom says I put cheese on everything. So cool. that's, you know, kind of a, a <laughs> makes that a little bit easier and harder question, I guess. <laughs> Honestly, I've gotten into making like a homemade mac and cheese into really going be beyond uh, just like your standard like usually like cheddar and gruyere or what they suggest to put in there you gotta like load it up with all the cheeses and kind of one of the tips that I actually learned at one of the cheese classes I was teaching this lady's like okay you gotta try this you add some blue cheese to your mac and cheese just a little bit not too much it takes it to a whole new level so mac and cheese we'll, we'll go with that that's good i <laughs> i've been trying to work on my homemade mac and cheese recipe because usually those are things that i can find around the house and yeah <laughs> blue cheese i'll have to think about that the next yeah. time i'm at the grocery store oh, for sure. oh yum Thank you for joining another episode of Deeply Rooted. Whether you're listening from the field or from home, we're glad you made time to join us. Hopefully this episode left you feeling more deeply rooted to the topics that are important to us here at Minnesota Farm Bureau. 